Hi everyone, it's Dominic from the MS Guide. Thanks for joining us. I'm joined by Emily Stock, and Emily is the main project lead at the MS Brain Health Initiative. Now, what is that? What does it mean and why it's important? We're just about to get into. Very quickly, if you do support me on Patreon, I'm super grateful. It's patreon.com slash the MS Guide. Either way, just subscribe to this podcast or whatever it is, and it tells the algorithm that you like this kind of stuff and that's good for me but anyway on with the show emily thank welcome. you Dominic. thanks for the intro um it's great to be here happy to speak with you today excellent i'm pretty sure many people know that my axe to grind is the fact that you do better with ms in the long term if you're treated effectively and early now your strap line is hashtag time is brain. What made you guys go down this route? Can you tell us a yeah, bit about absolutely. it? Absolutely. So it's essential, as you said, to diagnose and treat MS as early as possible. Um, and that's all about preventing irreversible disability progression and obviously to maximize lifelong brain health. Um, so in MS, um, the immune system mistakenly attacks and damages tissue in the brain and also spinal cord. And Although there are repair mechanisms that operate, they are often in incomplete. So some of that nerve tissue is irreversibly destroyed and that can lead to shrinking in brain volume over time. And obviously in healthy adults as well, a small amount of brain um, shrinkage occurs with aging. But people with untreated MS, this happens at a faster rate and therefore time really does matter in MS. Hmm. Emily, you said a word there, which I always find slightly alarming, and that's irreversible. So I've had MS 31 years, and the way I understand it, should we say the damage that's been done is not going to be undone? That's what you mean by irreversible, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and obviously, that is the key reason why time matters in MS, that we need to catch and, and diagnose and treat as soon as possible. I always think about it like, rotting wood in some ways you know if you spot the rot you can treat it and you can cut it out and you can deal with whatever the cause of the rot is and if you leave it ages and it spreads your house is going to fall down yeah and 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 as you say there's there's also a lot of evidence that shows that intervening early leads to better outcomes for people which is obviously the, the big thing here that we want to achieve well, i think this is just okay here maybe you can help me with something what I don't understand, Emily, is if I'm sitting in front of a neurologist, let's say I'm you and I've just been diagnosed with MS and I'm a young woman and I'm sitting in front of the uh, neurologist. I always struggle to understand why they aren't thinking, gosh, my job here is to ensure that Emily is as well as she can be in 20 years time. Not, oh, shall I, let me just tick a box and sort of sling her on a drug and yeah, whatever. You know, but but actively thinking about Emily in 20 years time, do you want to have a family? You know, are you going to save money for your children to go to university? You know, what sort of stuff do you do? What kind mm. of job do you do? Do you want to travel the world? Whatever it is. But I never hear of these conversations happening. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely, Dominic. And, and actually that links with, I mean, our understanding as a community of MS has evolved really rapidly over the last few years. Um, and actually, we now know that subtle disease worsening, so sort of small changes over time can happen like right from the beginning of the disease. So 
even in the early stages, things like cognition, your emotional well-being, quality of life, day-to-day activities, you know, ability to work can be impacted. Um, So, yeah, time really is brain. Yeah, it's just, it's extraordinary. I'm not expecting you to sort of read the minds of neurologists because I know you're not one. But how somebody, you know, it's not unknown that this disease isn't so much an L thing, but it's a intervening now, should we say treating it like an acute thing, like a heart attack, mm-hmm. which is a treat now to prevent real issues or death. But MS doesn't have that sort of urgency attached to it. How are you guys going about trying to attach this urgency? Oh, that's a really great point. So, I mean, that's what started the MS Brain Health Initiative in the first place. And as you say, in other disease areas, we have that urgency is there and in ms back in 2015 before the the, our report was published that urgency really wasn't there um so our initiative is all about calling for policy changes um to enable people to with ms to live their best possible lives and as you said the strap line is called time matters in ms that was the key recommendation of the report so it was all about shouting about how we need to diagnose as soon as possible and and treat and manage and care for people as as early as possible so let's be clear for people. Policy is essentially you know, driven at government level. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously it has multiple stakeholders involved. So um, in this case, MS societies, obviously um, people with MS themselves, um, all contribute, uh, health economists as well as policymakers, all, all involved in making sure that we can drive change that actually helps people in the long run. So what would... If you were going to paint the ideal picture, what would it take? Would it be having a protocol like, say, for treating a, a heart attack or you know, what is it? So when, when the rubber hits the road and the patient lands in front of the neurologist and they said, Emily, I've got something very awkward to tell you. And it's a bit of a shock, but you've got MS, but don't worry, we've got you. you know, but that's the key point of intervention is when that person first gets a formal diagnosis what does it mean what's the aim of you guys should we say to change what happens at that point yeah i mean we're so obviously the report is eight years old now so one of the so what we're doing now is we're updating the report because yeah because obviously so much has changed in in recent years so we're starting we're at the kind of beginning of this process now and we're, we're discussing with multiple stakeholders with people with ms as well as healthcare professionals on exactly your question, what this means, what should those recommendations be, what policy changes are needed in different countries to actually make sure that, like you said, people are able to be diagnosed quicker and treated um, more quickly as well. Um, And obviously in, in the intervening eight years since the first report was published, there is more evidence, for example, in the fact that if you treat early with high efficacy, disease modifying therapies that can lead to better outcomes for people as well so that evidence wasn't there back in 2015 so that will be one of the key aspects mm. that that we'll want to include and that's just one of the aspects um, and as i said we'll be we're discussing with with lots of people in the community at the moment as to what the recommendation should be so, so describe for me i mean you're not a doctor i'm not a doctor and i know you're not saying that this is the absolute thing but when that conversation is had and the news is delivered outline roughly the next steps 
that the MS Brain Health Initiative thinks should happen. Not Emily Stock, but the MS Brain Health Initiative. In I'll just say that again, MS Brain Health Initiative. Yeah. Should happen is it a case of we should have a two-week target to get you on a high-efficacy medication, a bit like the uh, attack MS trials investigating, or is it saying four weeks or six weeks or one week? I don't know. Yeah, so that needs to be agreed with with the experts, essentially. I mean, as part of the initiative um, a few years back, we did a Delphi consensus process, which is essentially just like a big um, framework of doing different surveys to find out what people think about basically what times are important here. Um, So, yeah, you're absolutely right. That will be one of the key discussions into the timings. And obviously, the MS Brain Health Initiative is a global initiative as well. So, um, Uh yeah. That's worth that's worth saying. It's not just the UK biz. Well, MS doesn't care where you Absolutely. live. Absolutely, and so therefore, when we're talking about giving precise targets and timings, um, as an initiative, we try and take the approach that we often have. When we did the the um, work before, we had three different what we call levels or standards um, for care, mm-hmm. depending on. So, and the idea for that is that whatever country you're in you have something to aim for, no matter what your level of resource is, for example. So the actual number that we might, that the experts might associate with that for different countries might be slightly different. Okay, Emily, I guess what hacks me off um, with this is as a patient, if I look at something like um, a stroke, a friend who's a doctor, who's Mm. also got MS, we were talking about this and they said, well, essentially, the first four hours, you know, because they're talking about preventing irreversible disability when you have a stroke. And it happened to be four hours was the number that stuck in my head. Now, I know MS doesn't need to be four hours, but are people thinking about an optimum time like uh, uh, 12 hours, 24 hours, one week, you know, four weeks? Is there some sort of ideal nirvana that, you know, people would be treated yeah so we can share the link i can show you the link to the the research i'm sure in in your um in your comments like later but um can i cut you off for a second emily by the way folks i will put all the links to everything in the show notes in the description so emily's going to give me links i'll put any links in so Emily, I apologize for jumping in there, but yeah, that was good. You reminded me. <laughs> no Thank problem you. at all, Dominic. Yeah, so the research that I just mentioned previously, the um, the consensus research that we did, so when we spoke to different experts around the globe about what the timing should be, um, we, we can put the link to that in the, in the chat as well for you. So essentially uh-huh. that that um, paper um, has, and it had a, a nice figure, which, which we can share as well, which had lists all the different timings. So there were things like, for example, um, once someone has been diagnosed with MS, like how long should they expect to, to wait until they have a discussion with their MS team about the aims of treatment, for example? Um, and then yeah. the experts agreed that everybody, no matter where they are in the world, four weeks, um, yeah, should be the limit of time of the discussion. Um, if you're in kind of a, yeah. um, a country where you've got more um, resource, two weeks. And then in a, in a sort of an aspirational level, seven days would be um, would be really good to, to be able to have that discussion with an MS. Sure, yeah. That's just one example, Dominic. Well, yeah, no, Emily, I think that's really cool because frankly, if I rocked up and they said, Dominic, bad news, you've got cancer, the follow-up conversation isn't, well, Dominic, we aim to do something about this in four weeks, but go home, you know, and if, if you can feel the tumor under your skin, come back to hospital and let us know. I mean, 
but MS seems to get that kind of, as a patient said to me the other day, Emily, when they were diagnosed within the last five years, the neurologist said to them, oh, well, come back when you're falling over. Yeah, that's awful. I know. And it's just like, and when you're falling over, because you've had so much nerve damage, as you said, as we said at the beginning of this, it's irreversible. Mm but it could have been prevented or mitigated. Yeah, absolutely. That's and I think that's why it's really important yeah. as well for people to, to kind of understand this as well, so that you can speak and have those conversations with the MS team. Yeah, that, I mean, that's why I'm not sure all MS teams are uh, as, as comfortable, shall we say, taking the 20 year view and then being able to translate that to the patient and say, look, we're talking about the importance of 20 years time. I know it doesn't feel like it, but I have a 21 year old daughter and she can't conceive of being 40. She's at that level when that's old people, <laughs> you know? And now, I mean, I sailed past that um, old person gate a long time ago, but it, it's, I get it, but it's hard, but it's the, I think that's the job of the healthcare professionals. Definitely, absolutely, to take that longer look for you. Because I think, I guess, when you're having those conversations yeah. with people, you're thinking about the here and now quite often immediately, aren't you? You're terrified, aren't you? You're terrified. You're, you, you've you lost sight of one eye or you suddenly can't walk properly. Or then by the time you've seen the doctor, you're thinking, crikey, I kind of feel okay now because it's up and down to start with, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so in in terms of those timings, I mean, that, that research was published in 2018. So again, um, see, it's a bit older now. So I think in the discussions we're having with stakeholders around the update of the report, we'll be wanting to discuss those timings again and see whether, yeah, they need to be updated as well. Wow. Well, I mean, Emily, I think we can agree that, uh, I mean, we know the time, it just, it always staggers me the amount of time. I mean, you're talking about the first report, well, that's eight years old, then you're talking about research that's six years ago. And it's kind of like, we know this stuff, it's known, but oh gosh, trying to get it from sort of knowledge to action is very, very challenging. Absolutely. Isn't it? I mean, in terms of our approach to updating the report, as I said, we're, we're starting this, this um, mm. gathering broad insights from the community. Um, obviously, we'll have an author mm. group and we'll have a wider working groups. So these will be people with different expertise in, in the different the key topics of the report. So people with expertise in economics, in talking about um, how, how MS, actually the biology of MS, people that have mm. um, expertise around um, monitoring the disease and patient reported outcomes and also about sort of more holistic management aspects about how it can maybe impact on comorbidities, um, cognition, mental health, um, those aspects. So we'll be yeah. speaking to all of the different different experts, as well as obviously, most importantly, people with lived experience as well. If I was going to put my business hat on and be, I'm not sure harsh is the right word, but we know now that generally after an MS diagnosis, it takes about 10 years before you are unable to work. And if that can be extended, then the government is getting money from you and not just spending money on you, which from a policy point of view, when you're in charge of the national purse must be a good mm. thing. Definitely. Yeah. And, and 
is the health economics is is that the right phrase for it? is this a health economics thing where there's now people looking at this from a health economics point of view and you know sort of how i feel should we say it's just you know how much does this cost and is it better to spend a lot of money on emily now rather than spending a lot of it on her later when i'm probably not in power you know, with with our government system, it's five years max. Yeah, it? I mean, I mean that's absolutely right, Dominic. I mean, I mean that's a really, really important part of the report. Um, so yeah, we would describe it as a sort of socio-economic burden of of, of the disease, um, and it will be really important for us to gather to look at the scientific literature and, and see what's been published out there. So we've got the the sort of up to date evidence on that, and it's all of the like we discussed earlier, like the hidden costs as well about the fact that you know people might be not be able to work and what that could cost society as well and it's really important in a policy report like that that we have all of that information in there so policymakers can see as well about the sort of wider implications of, of some of these policy changes that we'll be asking for I, I, we were talking earlier and it stunned me i think you know uh and this is a number from i think it was 2010 in the mm. uk MS costs the country 1.4 billion pounds a year, but they acknowledge in the paper that they are not really taking a fully accurate view. So that's a sort of minimum cost of the things that they can count really easily. So you're right. I mean, all these other costs, what if, what if my wife can't go to work and has to look after me two days a week? It's just, you know, and then she can't make as much money. The government does get as much tax. You know, it's it's got a knock on, not far beyond me, the patient. Yeah, definitely. And and in the update of our report as well, we'll be also including um, the data for um, related disorders as well. So for NMOSD, neuromyelitis optical spectrum disorder, mm -hmm. and one of the key reasons there is obviously there are similar principles apply to bring about high quality care. So obviously time matters in those diseases as well, but also that we'll, we feel like we'll have a stronger case for policy change as well. If you discuss those, these diseases as a group um, and present the data around it. Yeah. As a group. Right. Okay. But Emily, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on because I know it's tricky in the sense that you haven't got MS and you're, you're, you're not a medic and you don't want to say anything like that and you're running the project. But I met you at Ectrims and I realized just how knowledgeable you are, which is why I invited you on to chat about it because I just want people to know that this is a bigger thing and there's stuff being done. And yes, it's not it's not super rapid, I guess. I'd like something to happen tomorrow, but that's just me. I'm impatient. But I'm really, really grateful that you came on. And I just wanted to say, I will put, it's the report, even the one that you say, what is it, eight yes. years old? It's called Brain Health, Time Matters in Multiple Sclerosis. And it's a PDF document, which I will just put the link up. So, because it's free, you don't have to buy it or anything. You can just read it about the whole report. And when's the new one coming out? Are you planning? Yes. On so out? that's a really good point. Thank you, Dominic. Yeah. So yeah, so we'll be developing the report. Um, in the beginning of, of next year and we hope to launch the report at Ectrums in 2024 um, so that will be a journal publication um, and we hope to have a launch event where we can invite key people um, and yeah make a big splash about what the recommendations are and then I guess really the hard work then starts where we need to really engage with key audiences and stakeholders that actually have the mandate to implement our recommendations in different countries 
um, and hopefully get some traction and, and get these policy changes. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, that that's it. We, you can write it all down and print the report, but to actually frame, there's a big difference in somebody nodding their head and saying, yeah, I think that's, that, that's awful. I agree with you. And it actually happening. But here in a UK context, maybe you can pre-write an invitation for a man called Wes Streeting, who's the shadow health secretary, who's likely to be the main health secretary by the time Extrems comes around next year. And uh, I would love to be his host at Extrems to present this report to him. Amazing. <laughs> in my dream world. <laughs> Amazing, Dominic. And if I may just, just say one one last thing. Um, yeah. As I mentioned, we're, we're keen to get as many people's ideas and, and insights as possible. So if you have any thoughts, people can contribute, contribute emily can is there is there some sort of should we say public absolutely portal? i mean i we can share our um the team email address and um, perhaps in the chat so if right. you have any perspectives on what in the system um hinders people living with ms to live their best possible lives what changes are needed uh, we'd be really keen to hear from you right and this doesn't matter where in the world you are I you can use the email in the show notes in the description that emily's going to give me and you can just write in and say, I think this, that, or the other should Absolutely. Happen. We'd be very grateful for that. Right, thank perfect. you. Hey, Emily, it's not a problem. It's my pleasure. And thank you very much for coming on the MS Guide. I appreciate Brilliant. it. Well, thank you for having me.